now let me tell you the prophetic significance of the sighting of the new moon as it pertains to the uh, the coming of the Messiah. Wait, where are we right now? What are we doing? Well, we're right, we're, you know, what made me think about this is we're on our way down to a lot to sight the new moon, and right over there to my right is Masada, and Masada is where the Jews made their last stand during the destruction of the of the temple in, in, uh, just after 70 CE or 70 AD. Actually, it was in 74 that Masada fell, and so the cycle that began in 74 will end with the coming of the Messiah and, and the restoration of Israel, and so. As we're on our way down to a lot, it made me think, you know, well, there's this prophetic significance that every Jew knows about the sighting of the new moon, and that has to do with uh, a story that appears in, in the in the in the Talmud, and uh, it talks about the time of the Roman persecution when the Jews wanted to uh, announce the sighting of the new moon, but they were forbidden to do so by the Romans. The Romans saw this as an uh, you know the Jews proclaiming. God's times based on the visible new moon, the Romans saw this as threatening. You know, the Roman governor, he decided, um, you know, based on the ruling of the Senate, when the month began. And these were things established for thousands of years into the future. And so what are these Jews? They're going to proclaim when the month begins based on some, you know, light in heaven? No way. They, they wouldn't go for that. So the rabbis would uh, sight the new moon, and then they would send out a secret signal around the land of Israel telling people that the moon had been proclaimed. In earlier times, they sent messengers. In a slightly later period, after the messengers, they would light, or excuse me, first they would write, light bonfires. And then after they couldn't light bonfires, then they sent messengers. And after they could no longer send messengers to say, we sighted the new moon, they would send people singing songs, like bards, would travel around the, around the land of Israel, and they would sing the song. And the song was, it's a song that I grew up singing not knowing where it came from. And the song is David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayam. David, king of Israel, is alive and standing up. And, um, and it's, you know, what it means is, uh, is that the moon has been sighted. Now, how is David connected to the moon? Well, there's a prophecy that says, as long as the, and I'm paraphrasing it, uh, it talks about as long as the moon uh, exists in heaven, that is a sign of the covenant between God and David. And so when we see the new moon, we're reminded that the Messiah will come. And so they would sing the song, David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. We've seen the new moon. David will be the king. His descendant, the Messiah, will come. He is alive. And he will stand. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. So this is a song that every Jew grows up singing this song. It's one of the most popular songs in, in the Jewish world. And where it comes from is when the rabbis want to send out this message. We've sighted the new moon. This is a reminder that the Messiah will come. Okay, Nehemiah, now listen. I mean, as long as you're talking about it. Yeah. Really, now, why are we going all the way down to Egypt? Like, I mean, here we we're are. We're actually not going to why Egypt. Why went to Egypt? We're going to the we're border. We're going to a lot, which we're is southern Israel. Okay, but listen. Tell the people why you decided to come all the way from China to do this. It's just the two of us again. We're, 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 we're on our way. Tell, tell the people. Well, so um, I really had no intention. As, as late as um, 
what, you know, like eight or nine days ago, I had no intention whatsoever of, of leaving China, um, where I, I've been very comfortable and, uh, you know, and, and had no intention of leaving China and going to Israel. I was going to leave that into the hands of, um, you know, the people over here. And I sat down uh, Thursday morning, a week and a half ago, and I wrote a newsletter explaining the importance of this new moon sighting. And when I was done writing the newsletter, I realized, wow, I can't just sit in China and send this newsletter out. I need to go and actually sight this moon, at least make an attempt. And it's, it's actually a very good chance that we won't sight the moon. Now, bear in mind, I've come all the way from China to, to try and sight this moon, knowing that the odds are we won't sight it. But not sighting it is also, you know, that's significant. That's telling us when God's times truly are. And in some respects, it's much more difficult to not sight the moon than it is to sight the moon. You know, meaning if the moon is easily visible, then, you know, I don't need to come from China to come see it. But if it's a difficult sighting, then you need to make your most, you know, your greatest effort, your, you know, really your maximum effort. And in this case, the maximum effort is to have uh, observers all over Israel. And uh, the one place we've really had a difficult time getting observers is in southern Israel, and that's because there's some logistical problems. <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, one is that we've got to drive uh, four to five hours down there to, to see it. <laughs> which we're doing now. Which we're doing now. Uh, we're about an hour or two hours into it. Um, or no, we're an hour and a half into it. And then uh, the other logistical problem is that, um, is that, so look, the place where we used to sight the moon, for years, for years we would go down there, and that would be the Elat, uh sighting platform, was this uh, mountain uh, on the border of Egypt, and now it's a closed military zone. And there's, like it's actually dangerous because there's an Egyptian um, uh, watch post right next to it where we've been told we'll be shot if we go up to that. We're spot. not going there this time. No, we're not. But there's another spot which is on an Israeli army base, um, which is another mountain, and hopefully we'll get permission to go there onto that army base. But it's possible we won't. It's possible that we'll drive all the way down there. Uh, five hours to that particular spot because it's actually past a lot. Um, you go all the way to a lot, then you come back north on a different road, and it's possible we'll get to that spot and they'll say, "No, you can't come here to sight the moon." And at that point, um, you know, well, we may have to just turn back in order to sight the moon from a different location. Um, so, but my point of my thinking was, this is so important. It's important enough for me to drop everything I'm doing in China and fly all the way to Israel to try and sight this moon. And so I'm the sidekick here with you, and I am uh, excited about it. It's supposed to be in Charlotte, but I'm here with you because we've decided we're going to know what God's time is for more than just the reason uh, that you've heard. There are some other reasons that uh, I want to be able to know with my own two eyes, along with Nehemia, to see just what time it is. Folks, uh, we're here. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it or not, but we're bringing this as an exclusive BFA audio blog from the top of a mountain that's only been named in the last 24 hours. Nehemia, would you tell them a little bit about where we are, how we got here, and how special they must be to get this exclusive uh, interview with you at the top of this mountain? Yeah, so uh, you know, I came all the way from China to sight the new moon, and uh, one of the places we've been sighting the new moon, especially difficult new moons, is a place. Uh, what do you mean? Is this a difficult? This is a very difficult one. What makes it fact, difficult? What makes it difficult? Well, you know, uh, there's a number of factors, and basically, what you're looking at is the uh, amount of illumination of the moon on a given uh, night, uh, along with the amount of lag time. Lag time is the time from moonset to, from sunset to moonset, and basically, the longer lag time you have and the greater illumination you have, the easier it is to sight the moon. 
So this month we have approximately, I believe it's 52 minutes of uh, lag time, meaning from the time of sunset to the time of moonset is 52 minutes, and uh, only about a little over 1% illumination. That makes it very, very difficult. If it was 2% illumination with 52 minutes lag time, it'd be a really easy moon to sight. And we get those, it varies from month to month. So this moon is, is you know, just on the border. Is it impossible to sight? I don't know. We, we based on previous sightings, we can say there are sightings under similar conditions that has been sighted, other ones that hasn't been. So this is one of those situations where all you can do is come and look for the moon and try to sight it. And until you look, you'll never know. So if no, looking for the moon, for those who really don't understand, why is it so important to find out about this moon this time? So this particular month is the, uh, you know, the first Hebrew month, what the rabbis called Nisan. And that's the month, which is the beginning of the Hebrew year. So there's feasts in this month and all the feasts throughout the year are based on this month. Wait, wait, I, I, I can check the internet. I can go to find, uh, and it, it tells me when, when the holidays are. So what, I don't understand. So what you'll find in the internet are uh, basically what, what's called the Hillel II calculations. And that's the calendar that was established by this rabbi in the year 359 uh, CE. And, um, you know, that the rabbi, you know, the, basically the, the Romans had abolished the Sanhedrin. And so they, the rabbis could no longer um, send out uh, messengers to sight the new moon. And so they said, okay, while we're in exile, we'll use these calculations. And when the Messiah comes, we'll go back to actually sighting the new moon. And every child knows this. You know, you were at a... Yeah, you know, what happened. Yeah, so on Shabbat, we were at my mother's house, and we were talking about all this new moon stuff. And uh, my uh, two of my nieces and one of my nephew, nephew, nephews, my nephew who's almost 12, <laughs> and the niece who is uh, almost nine... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she's eight, uh, was able to uh, recite for us the principles of ancient Jewish of the ancient Jewish calendar, mm -hmm. how they would sight the new moon and they would send out messengers and they would light uh, fires on the hilltops mm -hmm. based on the sighting of the new moon in the land of Israel. Literally, little children in Israel know this. The children know it. The rabbis know that when the Messiah comes, it will be reestablished. And the only thing preventing anyone from observing it, from actually carrying it out, is tradition. Okay. What they say is, we established this tradition in 359 under the threat of the Romans until another Sanhedrin comes and undoes that tradition and restores the biblical calendar. We don't have the authority to follow what we used to do um, from the time of Moses all the way at the time of the 359 AD. Um, I say, let's just do it. Well, I have to confess now, we're at the top of the mountain, I need to confess in yeah. front of the audio blog listeners and you. Mm -hmm. I know that you came here because you want to find out when the feast starts. You want to know when it's time to eat well, matzah, I mean, right? That was your deal. That's I why need you to know when to eat matzah. That's a I big deal. I have to be honest with you, Nehemiah. I was That's praying. an eternal I covenant that God established with the people of Israel. Okay, I understand. But I have to tell you something. There's yeah. something else going on. And we're at the top of this mountain right now. Yeah, what else is going on? not going to talk a lot about it. But there are people that are very excited about this month that have never been interested in this month before. Even Christian people around the world. Because Christian people eat matzah? So. No, it, it's not an issue of matzah. It's got to do with God's time. And we're not going to spoil yeah, it. This God's is a special time to eat matzah. No, this is a special time up on top of this mountain for folks. But would you do me just one last favor? Would you tell the people yeah. what we went through to get to the top of this mountain? And I'm not talking about the walking. I'm talking right. about the strategy. What was our well, strategy? So so basically, uh, for since 2000, we've been coming for difficult sightings to a place called Mount Hezekiah. Which I can see from here. You can see it from here. And I see an Egyptian, uh, looks like, Army looks like tower, a watchtower. Patrol tower, yeah. I'm looking right at it. Watchtower. So normally that's where the Egyptian soldiers So look, I'm telling you, back then, you know, starting in 2000 for 12 years, whenever we had a difficult sighting, um, once every year, once every two years, we would send people down here to a lot. I often came, but there are other people too. And we would come here because there's beautiful, clear skies. And we would look from, from Mount Hezekiah. 
which you could drive right up to. It's real easy, real convenient. Um, photographers would come year-round to get photos of the setting sun from this spot. Well, uh, I remember the first time we came in September 2000, the Egyptian soldiers walked up to us and tried, you know, and asked us for cigarettes. It, was, it, was not, it wasn't a dangerous situation. But that also shows you how close they were. <laughs> now, we came here and... <laughs> you can we were stick doing, your hand across the border. We, we came and, here for the Right on Time Project, yeah. season two of Time Will Tell, and we tried to go to that spot, and you led me, and I followed... And, of course, people will hear the story that the soldiers pulled up and said, What are you doing? And they right. stopped us. What did they say? If uh, we keep going, what would happen? If we keep going, you'll get shot. We'll get shot. So that Egyptian in the patrol tower might decide to, you know, Hey, you're too close to the border. We're going to kill you. All right. So what we did is we drove by that. We saw that there was no way going. Right. You came up with a phenomenal strategy. Can you just right. tell the little Well, so this time uh, we found another hilltop. And we're on top of this hilltop. Right now. And we can see the Egyptian patrol uh, spot. And... Hopefully he won't shoot us because we, we, you know, I mean, look, so where we were before is might be a hundred feet from the patrol tower where we are now on this other hilltop is maybe, you know, 500 feet. Yeah. We're 500 feet away. A football maybe field. Is that a, a football shot. field or? Uh, no, that's more than a football field. He probably oh, isn't okay. a good shot. It's going to be night pretty soon. I want to end football this real field. soon. Yeah. But tell him what our strategy was. I, I could just say shot. your strategy was that we were going to first go to the army base and do this whole big deal where I had a whole strategy to ask them to let us. And you said, no. Let's just go to the new mountain, which is called Mount Nehemiah. He called it that. I call it that. We're at Mount Nehemiah. And what did you say to do? You said, let's just go. Let's just go. And we went to the border. And what did you tell the border folks? And what did they say? Well, so I wasn't going to tell them anything, but they asked us where we're going at the patrol um, the patrol zone. Mm-hmm. You know, we this area of the border is, is essentially has checkpoints, army checkpoints to get into this area because it's heavily patrolled and it's heavily controlled, um, patrolled and controlled. And so they asked us, where are you going? And I think they were probably expecting us to say, we're going to Mitzvah Ramon, or we're going to Tel Aviv. Instead, we said, we're going to sight the new moon on a hilltop. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what did he say? He, he like, what are you going to do? And I explained, you know, look, it's the, the Hebrew month, and we're going to sight the new moon on a hilltop. He said, well, there are certain areas that it's forbidden to go into. I'm sure he thought we were coming to Mount Hezekiah. And uh, I said, you know, we won't go in any place with this, that has a sign saying it's forbidden. <laughs> I chose my words carefully. He worked carefully, and he said what? And he said, Tatspit Nima, have, have a nice sighting. <laughs> Which is awesome. I'm thinking we're cleared. We pull up to the spot. I see the car from here. We're way up on the mountain. And within 60 seconds, what happened? Another a patrol car. A patrol like, jeep came up. and loaded? <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, you know, and he asked, what, you know, what are you doing here? And Or actually, you know, said it in like, you know, hello, you know. How are you? And and, um, I said, is there a problem? He said, well, I don't have a problem. Do you have a problem? And then he grabbed his gun. And And, and he showed me me his M16. No, no, no. You were sticking your chest. He's like holding the M16. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm I'm praying because I'm thinking this is not time for uh, who's who's the tough guy. So what happened after that? So I said, okay. I said, do you know what Rosh Chodesh is, the beginning of the Hebrew month? He said, yeah, I know what that is. I said, tonight's Rosh Chodesh, and we've come to sight the new moon. He said, well, where are you going to do that? I said, on the hilltop over here. He said, how many are you? I said, just me and Keith, uh, just just Keith and I, just the two of us. He said, you know, do you have anyone's permission? I said, no. Well, I said, no, but we told the, the, the guards at the, at the, blo- at the checkpoint. <laughs> I have permission from the guy who can't give me, a th- can't authorize it. Um, and uh, he's, you know, and I, I said, look, I was leaving my phone number. And if you have any problems, you know, I have a phone up here. You can call me. And he's like, okay. 
and he, uh, he, you know, he drove off. <laughs> he drove off. And so, folks, here we are on the top of this mountain. We're probably, what, 15, 20 minutes away from the, the most important sighting of this year. Yep. Certainly, it's connected to so many things. Those of you that have been watching the internet and the news, you know about all the other things that are happening. We've done some amazing things. Nehemiah, I'm going to let you get back to work, and we're going to try to make an announcement right here from the top of Mount Nehemia. Uh, we've traveled all the way, what is it, four hours or so? And the truth of the matter is, after we get done, we don't know how we're getting down the mountain because there's no lights. <laughs> well, I mean, we bought some flashlights in a lot, and we have walking sticks so we don't break our legs. There's no trail, folks. But and all I'm telling you is it's straight down, and I've yeah. got video, and you can't get away from it. <laughs> so, folks, listen, we're going to let them get back to work, and we will get back to you after we see whether or not the God's clock is in the sky. Whether or not God's clock is in the sky. Okay, well, whether or not we see God's clock in the sky. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> okay, Nehemiah, what do we got? Give us an update. Well, we didn't sight it here from uh, southern Israel, but it's possible that somebody saw it from the north. And we're gonna find out. And uh, so we've been all the way it. here. We didn't see it. Now, does we that mean we it. wasted our time? Not at all. What, what What's the significance of coming and trying to see? Well, if you don't come and try to see, then you you don't know if it, it if it's God's time or not. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's been amazing. Now we got one little small problem. Yeah. We're using the uh, light here, and it's pitch black up here. Yeah. How do we get down the mountain? Flashlights. <laughs> Well, Nehemiah, we made it uh, down from the dark mountain where you and I did not sight the new moon at the beginning of the month, which would have established from our testimony the beginning of the year. But as we were coming down uh, after getting uh, <laughs> checked again, we, uh, we made our way down the dark road and we had found out that uh, our good friend Yoel had sighted the moon and we had one witness. But we weren't comfortable with that at that point. I mean, we were comfortable with him we believed in his, his, his testimony, but tell me what your concerns were here just until a couple well, minutes ago. Historically, we definitely know, we know for a fact that the way they determined the beginning of the new, uh, new month was based on the sighting of two witnesses. Um, There's a, a famous story. Tell us well, about it. Well, it's a famous story. Uh, it's recorded in the Mishnah and describes an event that took place in the first century CE at the time of the, the Second Temple. And it's actually very interesting because, you know, when they talk about history, one of the things they talk about, uh, you know, actually in the history of, of, of the New Testament, one of the things that historians talk about is the um, criterion of, of uh, embarrassment. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but they talk about there's certain things in the New Testament that even if you don't believe in Christianity, that are probably true, because why would anybody admit that that happened? Like, for example, that the man they believed to be the Messiah was, was crucified. Nobody would make that up. It's too embarrassing, so it must be true. Um, and that's generally accepted by, by many, um, you know, even secular historians that this has to be a true thing because nobody would make up something like that. And the case of this new moon story is really a criterion of embarrassment. Mm -hmm. The rabbis are talking about how there was a man named Tobias the physician and the new moon was cited by him, by Tobias, his uh, son and his emancipated slave. And he went and he testified before two different courts. One was the court of the rabbis who were located outside the temple, and the other was the court of the priests who were in the temple. Uh, the rabbis were essentially banished from the temple. Well, these temple priests heard the testimony of all three witnesses, and they said, we don't believe emancipated slaves, so we only accept the testimony, and, and, and specifically it was a Gentile slave. Um, 
So we only accept the testimony of Tobias and his son. The rabbis heard this, heard the, te the testimony independently, and they said, we don't accept the testimony of a man and his son because we think there may, may be collusion between them. So we accept the testimony of Tobias and his emancipated slave. So both courts, the rabbis and their rivals, the priests, accepted the testimony that the new moon was cited based on two witnesses, even though they had a different way of, of evaluating the witnesses. What this tells me, based on the, the criterion of, um, of embarrassment, is undisputably in Jerusalem in the first century, both the rabbi, rabbis and their arch rivals understood that the new moon, uh, the month begins with the sighting of the new moon. And um, what's interesting is both, you know, there have to be two witnesses. That wasn't disputed in the first century. And I can understand where they got it from. There's, there's two verses. We were looking at them before uh, while we were driving in the car in the book of Deuteronomy. One is in 17. I think the other one is in 19. One talks about capital cases being based on two witnesses and the other talks about any sin. Uh, that a man is committed should be based on two witnesses. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't specifically say the sighting of the new moon, so uh, there's a little bit of, of, you know, maybe what we call wiggle room there. It's not clear. Mm -hmm. But historically, um, meaning for the Tanakh, it's not clear, but definitely historically, as late as, or as early we know for sure as the first century, uh, or excuse me, yeah, the first century when the temple was standing, that both, all of the, the Jews in Jerusalem agreed that the month began with the sighting of the new moon. Well, let, let, let me say this. Now, you know, just to give a little bit of context here, I'm a little tense. It's uh, 10.30 at night. We're driving on a completely dark road from a lot. We came down from the mountain. There was a roadblock. The soldiers stopped us there. They looked at our passports. We got out of the military zone. You're driving right now. Your high beams are coming in low and up and down. And I don't know how fast. It says 120. That's man. kilometers. No, 120. And I think we're supposed to... A long story short, I'm a little <laughs> tense, folks. I'm supposed to get on a plane tomorrow. But I called Andrea, my wife, and she said, well, did you sight the new moon? I mean, you guys went through this whole thing. Nehemiah came from China. You're up on top of a mountain. Did you sight the new moon? I said, no, but we... And she said, oh, I feel so bad for you. Now, why, now why, why would she say that? Because the idea was we're supposed to go here and, and be able to say, yes, we saw it. But talk about the significance of going and not seeing well, so, the new moon. you know, uh, not sighting the new moon is not a failure. Um, the moon was definitively not visible from the location where we looked. And we've actually um, heard from quite a number of uh, observers who looked in many different locations, and they did not sight the new moon. Our friend Bruce in Jerusalem oh, didn't uh, see it there. We didn't see it. A uh, whole bunch of people. Yeah, a bunch of people. Uh, Devorah in Jerusalem, David right. in Jerusalem, another person named Devorah in Jerusalem. It's right. a common name. Right. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Meaning that, you know, the fact that you didn't sight the moon, that doesn't mean you failed. Mm -hmm. it, it means that it wasn't visible. Right. Um, and, you know, and this is, and it was sighted by two people. Well, you know, well, hold on now. Yeah. They, don't, they haven't heard about the second witness yet. I mean, we, oh, since yeah, the time we talked about the first witness. Yeah. And then we were discussing about what yeah. if there wasn't another witness and we got the good news from the uh, Israeli New Moon Society that right. what? That it was sighted by a second witness in a different location. Um, right by a man named Gadi, who saw it from Kevin Biyavna, which is uh, on the coast of Israel near Ashdod. Uh, he sighted the moon, and, and he tells the story of how he was with a bunch of people, and they all saw it through the telescope, and uh, and then five minutes later, he was able to sight it with the naked eye, but the other people didn't sight it. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. shows you that it's at the limit of human visibility. When, mm -hmm. it can, when there's more, multiple people and only one of them sees it, that means there's, you know... Um, it, 
it's at the limit of visibility. Okay. Um, you know, many months, most months, anybody can see it. You'll have 50 people, and 49 or 50 will see it. You might have a guy who has, you know, bad vision, like Keith. Um, <laughs> but you'll have 50 people see it. Yeah. That's a normal thing. But then this happens, too, in these difficult sightings, that it's at the limit of visibility. And we also have a person in Ashdod who sighted them in with binoculars and did not sight it with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. And what that proves is it was, he didn't, it's not a failure. It was not visible in Ashdod to the naked eye. Mm-hmm. No, you know, definitively. The fact that he saw it with binoculars, but not with the eye, shows you, at least for his eye, it was not visible. So, so this is interesting. Uh, what, what I do think is interesting about all of this, it just so happens that this, this particular time, which is going to be the establishment of the beginning of the year so that we can then count for uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's right. Uh, we, <laughs> we now know what time it is based on both the sighting of the moon yeah. and even according to the calculated calendar, we're on the same page. Isn't that right. interesting? Now, I think what's yeah. also interesting, <laughs> I mean, isn't, I mean to, to, to me, it, it, I, I, I just look at the situation right now and I think it's an opportunity for us to ask the question, what is God saying up in the heavens regarding his clock and his calendar and we can talk about that for a long time in the meantime what I'm going to try to do is get back safely as you're traveling down this dark road (laughs) I'm supposed to get on an airplane folks I stayed two weeks uh, beyond my uh, uh, what I thought would be the time that I would be here Nehemiah of course you didn't plan on coming all the way from China but you did and we climbed this new mountain, which yeah. I think is going to be established as Mount Nehemiah. Where oh, someone right now, as we speak, is looking up to see if the mountain really does have a name on Google Earth. But, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that it does. Yeah. But I doubt it does. But you know, uh, well, listen. You know, one of the things uh, I, I want to point out is is the fact that we didn't sight the moon again isn't isn't a failure. And, and I was telling you this beforehand. I was telling you before I even came that that the likelihood is we won't sight the moon. And you know, and you made the remark of, well, then maybe you shouldn't come. And, and, and my response was, no, that's the reason I must come, to attempt to sight the moon. And you know, not sighting the moon is, is um, you know, there's a famous uh, experiment that was done. Can I tell them about the experiment? Please tell them the experiment. We so have there was a, a famous thing. experiment that changed the history of the world. It actually it, it cre- it, it, it resulted in a revolution in physics. And it's called the, the Morley-Michelson uh, experiment, or the Michelson-Morley experiment. It's like it's the book by Johnson Gordon or Gordon Johnson. They're still fighting about that. Um, so the Morley Michelson experiment was was uh, was carried out in uh, the late 1800s, and it, basically they they were trying to find um, what was called the the luminiferous ether, mm-hmm. which um, was something that every physicist in the world believed existed. They believed it was this substance that light traveled through. You know, light is a wave, and so it must be a wave in something, just like you know. We see waves in water, so there's water, right? Um, so light was a wave through the luminif- luminiferous ether. So they concocted this very elaborate and very expensive experiment to detect the properties of the luminiferous ether. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this huge experiment, they discovered that they couldn't detect it. And they said the experiment was a failure. And they carried out the experiment again and again and again in different times of year, in different locations, and they just couldn't find the ether. Mm-hmm. And they said the experiment was a dud. It, it bombed. It, it didn't work. Um, later, uh, this was brought up at, in a lecture by a man named Lord Kelvin, and he remarked that this was one of the great mysteries, the, the negative results of the... Um, of the Morley-Michelson experiment was one of the great mysteries that physics could not explain. 
and, uh, and it was a conundrum, it was just a mystery. And uh, um, this young physicist who nobody had ever heard of, didn't even have a job in physics, named uh, Albert Einstein heard this lecture, and he said, I'm gonna solve this. And he took the results of the Morley-Michelson experiment, and he, you know, essentially completely changed the world. Um, you know, he ended up with the theory of relativity and discovered that the luminous, luminiferous ether didn't exist. And so what they thought was a failure, um, a failure to detect something that they knew was there, well, it wasn't there. <laughs> that's, that's why they didn't detect it. And, and really, that's the case with the new moon. We didn't sight the new moon in a lot because it wasn't visible in a lot. That doesn't mean it wouldn't be visible somewhere else in the land of Israel, and it was in two mm -hmm. locations by two people that we know of. It could be more people, in fact. Um, but you know, so the you know a negative sighting, a non-sighting, isn't a failure. It's a very important sighting. It's it's actually very important to know that this type of moon, we can say in the future, it may be visible, may not be visible, and and we cannot say with any you know certainty that it will be visible. That, that in itself is an important conclusion. This well, that, was a very important sighting. Nobody else was going to go to a lot and carry out what we did. Right. Uh, nobody was going to climb that mountain, and there really was no other location to, you know, to carry out a sighting like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, it was worth it for me to come all the way to, from China for this. Well, we've actually had two major moon missions like this. One uh, is going to be in this fall's uh, season, which Wait, what? Time will tell, the time will tell season when we where we came before, when we came down to, to Elat for uh, oh, oh, uh, Yom yeah. Teruah, in the past, where we were able to and sight we it. it. Yeah, it was, and and that that series, which is called Right on Time, time will tell. The second season is going to start this fall, but we got to add this into it because it was so important to Chemia. You coming all the way from China, me staying two weeks beyond uh, the time that I thought I would be here, and of course, in the midst of all of that, we've also done some other research, <laughs> which maybe we will talk about in a week or so. But I want to tell you how much I appreciate you giving this exclusive on the mountain, on the dark road <laughs> interview to the uh, BFA audio blog folks. And I just like you to slow down a little bit or let me drive. And folks, in the meantime, here's what, we, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna keep working. If you keep watching, if you keep listening, and please pray for us until oh, we man. talk again. <laughs>